been looking at this series of building families for His glory, dealing with the families uh, as we seek to do all things for the glory of God. And so part of that is, is uh, building families also as we seek to have families that bring honor and glory to uh, the name of Jesus Christ. If you are looking for a Thanksgiving message today, well, it ain't going to happen, all right? <clears throat> We're going to stick with our family series. I guess if you really are disappointed, I'll just say, hey, I'm thankful for families. Amen? And there it is. There's your Thanksgiving message. But nevertheless, we're, as we think about today, as we look at this topic of relationships, that's what we're going to look at today as we think about how that plays into building families uh, for His glory. And, you know, we, we really live in a unique time in our society well, we have access, we can have access to almost anyone in the world through social media, uh, through transportation or technology, and yet, at the same time, we still tend to be the most isolated people in history. But what we need to understand as the people is that God created each of us for relationships. And we will look at a couple of what those relationships are today as we continue building families for His glory today. And these are vitally important relationships as we think about our families uh, today. And so we're going to look at a couple of passages of Scripture. Ecclesiastes 4 will be one of those, verses 9 through 12. And then we're going to flip over to the New Testament, to Hebrews chapter 10, reading verses 19 through 25. As we'll look at a couple of these different uh, uh, relationships as spelled out in the Word of God. And so, in honor and reverence to the Word, if you would please stand as I read for us uh, the Word of God this morning, beginning in Ecclesiastes 4 and then verses 9 through 12. Then I'll skip over to Hebrews chapter 10 and read those verses as well. We stand in honor and reverence to the Word of God because it is the Word of God. So let's pray. I mean, rather, let me read this for you. Then we'll pray, all right? So it says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. And if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And then we skip over to Hebrews chapter 10, picking up in verse 19, going through 25. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus... By a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled with an evil conscience, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the word and for what it means to us and its power. Lord, it's, it's, uh, it points to you and its practicality for us as well. As we look at these ideas of relationships today, Lord, how we deal with that on a day-to-day -day basis as we think about our families and seeking to have families that bring glory and honor to your name. Lord, I pray that you would be with us, that we'd have hearts that are open and receptive to receive what we need to hear and understand as we live our life out and the best that you have for us and as we think about relationships. But Lord, we also pray that you'd be with us if there are those here today who don't know Jesus as the Lord and Savior, that this would be the hour in which they would come to know you as you're drawing people even now to yourself. But Father, we pray that those of us who do claim to know you as Lord and Savior, may it be a time, Lord, where you rekindle something within us as we walk with you and we hear your voice. Lord, may we be more in love with you when we walk away from here. May we live for you as we walk away from here as well. But Lord, in all things, we seek to bring glory and honor to you. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For I am but your vessel, but your instrument. Use me, I pray, and speak, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, you see the outline uh, for today's message in your bulletins there, and we're going to follow that along, try to fill you in on what needs to go in those blanks and help you out a little bit. But we're looking at these relationships, and the first relationship that we really need to think about is the relationship of friendship. 
and what it means to be a friend. I hope that uh, as we think about friendship, I'm not sure if this is the best kind of friendship. I heard a story about a young man who was in uh, Bible college, and uh, he had a buddy that was sitting beside him, and the young man fell asleep in class. I'm sure none of you have ever done that before. But this, this fellow was pretty conked out. And as he was sleeping there, a friend of the young man, who was his buddy who was sitting next to him, he suddenly shook him and earnestly whispered into his ear, Hey, the teacher wants you to pray. And with that, the sleeping man, thinking that he had just been called on to pray, well, he jumped up to his feet and began his prayer while still partly asleep, interrupting the teacher in the middle of the lesson. The student then finished his prayer and sat down, and the teacher was completely unflustered and thanked the student and continued right on with the lesson. I don't know about you, but I don't know that I'd want to be either one of those guys in that situation, Amen. That's the kind of friend I don't know that I want. But nevertheless, we need to have relationships that are friendships because we are created to be in relationships. And so what we want to see here as we think about friendships, some people often ask, well, what kind of friendship should I have and what does it mean to be a friend? Well, let's just look at some of the scriptures here and a lot of other scriptures that we're going to pull in as well this morning to think about what friendships is. It's relationships that we're dealing with of friendship. And first thing we see is that friendships are biblical. It is biblical to be in friendships with other people. In verse 9 here of Ecclesiastes 4, it tells us that two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Two are better than one. In other words, it is good in the Lord's sight for us to be, to be a friend and to have friends. It's not good for us to isolate ourselves from other people, but rather to build relationships with others that are real friendships, that are real friendships. Matter of fact, in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 1, we read these, this, these words here, that a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire, and he rages against all wise judgment. So a person who isolates himself he is seeking his own desire, and it is unwise. He rages against all wise. It is unwise for him. It is against wise judgment for him to isolate himself. As a matter of fact, the Bible is telling us here that not only is it unwise to isolate yourself, it is unbiblical to isolate yourself, and also it is selfish to isolate yourself. That is self-seeking and self-centered and self-absorbed. Matter of fact, when we look at Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 12, that lets us know as we look at those passages of Scripture that it is good for us to have friends. Amen? It is good for us to have companions and to help us along life's journey. And you're sitting there and you're thinking, man, this is great. I got this one now because Facebook tells me that I got hundreds of friends. Well, that's great. I'm so glad that Facebook will tell you that you've got hundreds of friends. But that's not the kinds of friends that we're talking about here because some of those people, you probably have no clue who they are. Right? But we're looking here at friends who are people that you interact with on a more personal level and who are individuals that you talk to. And in order to have friends, listen, listen. in order to have those kinds of friends, you must first be a friend. You heard the old adage that says, I went out to look for a friend, and they were nowhere. But I went out to be a friend, and they were everywhere. Y'all got that? Friendship is biblical, but we must also be a friend in order to have friends. And we see here, two are better than one. Then secondly, we need to see this about friendships, is that godly friendships, as we think about these friendships here, are godly friendships is that godly friendships are a blessing. So why are they a blessing? Well, there's, there's six real quick things that I want to run through with you that how we see that friendships are a blessing. And the first thing that we see is in verses 10 and 11. It says, For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm together? So what we find here is that friendships are a blessing because we help each other along. We can help each other along on this journey that's called life. We need friends. We need companions. We need people who will walk along with us 
on this adventure that we call life. But what we see here in the scriptures is that these kinds of friends have a common bond. As In verse 12, it talks about, though one may be overpowered by him, uh, by another, two can withstand him. There's an enemy, but when, one of the, when you've got two people coming along, uh, that, that uh, two can do better against this enemy, but then a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And what we have often said about that passage of Scripture, we say this a lot of times in the weddings, and I think that this is true. When somebody's getting ready to get married, then a couple have come together, that there is a third person in the marriage, and that third of the three-strand cord is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in our friendships, it is good to have good biblical friendships, and friendships are a blessing because when, when the Lord is the, that third strand, that by, is the common bond for us together. Amen? So we need to have those kinds of friendships where the Lord Jesus is that third cord, that common bond that ties us together as friends. So we help each other along on this journey as we come together as believers in Jesus Christ and have the friendships together. Secondly, we see here that friendships are a blessing, not only because we help each other along on this journey called life, but also, secondly, we stir each other up and encourage each other toward love and to do good. Now, I'm hoping that when you stir somebody up, you're stirring them up toward the good, amen? And not stirring them up toward the bad. So we're going to stir each other up. So that's what the Bible says to us. It's found in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Did y'all see that a few minutes ago? I'm sure you did. Let's look at it again. It says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. So the Bible here is telling us how we are to come together as brothers and sisters in Christ, as friendships, as we have this kinship together with the common bond of Jesus Christ, having friends together, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. It is good for us to be together, to encourage one another. And we encourage one another, not speaking, condescending toward each other, but we encourage each other as we gather together to, to love the Lord more, to love each other, and to be faithful in the walk of following after the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Pastor, I need that in my life. Where can I find friends like that? Hey, look around, amen? Look around, for this is a great place to find our friends in the Lord Jesus Christ, amen, in church. When we have our small groups, when we have our Sunday school classes, it is a great place for us to gather together and to have this commonality as the, with the bond of the Lord Jesus Christ when we're there to encourage each other and to help each other along as we assemble together. There's something to be said for the Bible telling us that we are not to forsake assembling together. Now, I'm so grateful for technology. I'm so glad that we have a live stream, that this, at this very moment there are people who may be sick, who are at home, who are able to watch us on live stream, and I'm glad that we have that for them. Some people may be on vacation and have, have, have gone away for today or what have you, and, and so they're able to dial in. They want to worship with us, and so they do that through live stream, and that's great. But, beloved, we should never let live stream take the place of actually worshiping the Lord together as the body of Christ together. It should never take that place. It's important to have for those times like that when people are shut in or sick and can't be here or what have you, but it should never take the place of you who are healthy to be able to be here in the worship time and to be together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Because it is important for us to be able to link arms together as kindred spirits, as friends in Christ, as brothers and sisters in Christ, to encourage each other along, to hear your story and you hear their story, how God has worked in your life this week and what he's done in your life and how he's spoken to you through the word of God and how that encourages you. You can give but so much of that through the live stream. Amen. But when we gather together, it is important that we worship him and honor him together. It's important that we do that as friends together. And we, so we see this, that we exhort one another, we encourage each other uh, as we go along in this journey called life. Then thirdly, we find comfort in each other. Friendships are a blessing. Godly friends are a blessing because we find comfort in each other and we strength and strength for each other when each, we, each of us are tempted by something. So when temptation comes in your life, we find comfort from each other and strength from each other. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, to be sober, to be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. 
as you go through the difficulties of life, as you know that you're being tried uh, and, and tested, and when you're going through the temptations of life, when Satan is throwing his fiery darts at you, you need to know that the same sufferings are experienced by your brothers and sisters in Christ. And so knowing that, we comfort each other, we strengthen each other, and so that when we're going through those times of temptation, we can rely on each other to help us along. Friends are, godly friends are a blessing. Fourthly, we see that not only these things, but we're to also hold each other accountable. So godly friendship's a blessing because we hold each other accountable. Hebrews 3, verses 12 to 13 says, Brethren, beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God, but exhort one another or encourage one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. It's important for us to encourage each other on a daily basis, holding each other accountable as to how we're living this life out. Don't wait for Sunday. Do this on a daily basis, amen? Have these godly friends who we can daily hold accountable, each other accountable. You hold me and I hold you accountable. For fifthly, we see that these godly friends are a blessing because we serve alongside each other and we help each other to have courage. When Jesus, in Luke 10, 1, he says, After these things the Lord appointed 70 others also, and he sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. So the Lord sent these people two by two so that as they went into the city, they would have courage. They'd be able to do better things with someone. Two are better than one. You see? Friendship, godly friends are a blessing. It's biblical. It's a blessing. And then sixthly, we see this, that godly friends are a blessing because when the storms of life, when the storms of life are battering our shores, we have friends, godly friends, who are there to walk along with us. You know what I'm talking about? When you've been through the difficult times in life to know that there's a brother or sister in Christ, a godly friend, who will walk with you along those difficult times when the storms are howling and to know that they are there for you. You see, the Lord allows us to have friends for these reasons. They are a blessing. So godly friends are biblical, they're a blessing, but also we need to see this, that godly friendships are built on three different things. Number one, godly friendships are built on loyalty. To really be a friend, you must be a friend, and we see in Proverbs 27, 10 says, do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend. So friendships are built on being loyal to your friend. This is a loyalty, now listen, this is a loyalty through good times and bad times. You're going to be that friend when they're going through the great times in life, and you're going to be a friend for them when they're crying their eyes out. The good times and the bad. This friendship's built on loyalty not just when it's convenient for you. It's friendships when it's not just when they can pay for your lunch. Come on now. It's friendships not, when just when you think, not just when you think they can somehow advance your status in life. Friendships are built on being loyal. We have this common bond in the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, we can see his example and being loyal to his friends in John 13, 1. Where it says, and before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Loyalty, faithfulness to his friends. And we know that he's faithful to us as well. Friendships are built on loyalty. Godly friendships are built on loyalty. Secondly, God, godly friendships are built on love. That we are to love unconditionally. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times. This loving of our friends, loving our brothers and sisters of Christ, where we have this common bond, where we have these relationships with each other, it is an unconditional love for our friends. It has an unconditional love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, I don't know if I can love that person unconditionally. Well, you need to check your heart and see if you know Jesus is saving your life. Amen? But if you, you can, you're enabled by that. You're enabled to do that by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within you. Because it's the common bond of Jesus that, that draws us together, that keeps us together. And so we're able to have that, as the Holy Spirit lives within us, we're able to love each other unconditionally. And we see the perfect example, as we have seen in the past already, of the unconditional love of Jesus, his selfless love for us, his sacrificial love for us. But we know in John 15, 3, it says, greater love, rather 13, greater love has no one this than to lay down one's life for his friends. He loves us, the Lord, listen, the Lord loves you and the Lord loves me unconditionally. He knows all of our sin, all of our weaknesses, all of our flaws, our transgressions, and yet he loved us anyway and went to the cross of Calvary for us. 
You know, it's a mighty poor friend who will only be friends with us while everything is going our way. But the truth of the matter is that we must be faithful to our friends and to love them even if they're going through a difficulty. If our friend fails and, go, and sins, we're still to be their friend and to love them back to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a sad thing when this world treats its people better than the Christians pe treat their people. We as God's people must be the examples here of loving others. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't tell them the truth. We don't agree with their sin. No, that's not being a true friend. A true friend tells the truth. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 27, verses 5 and 6, that open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. That faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceit. If there's something that our friend needs to know according to the word of God that they've strayed off the path you, as their godly friend, holding them accountable, need to go to them and say, Hey, brother, hey, sister, you need to know that I love you in the Lord Jesus Christ. But according to the word of God, this is what you're doing. It's just not right. And let's pray together. Let me walk with you through this and help you to come back into that right relationship with our Lord and see what this is in your life. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. See, a friend cares enough to be honest to tell the truth even if, even if it's not what they want to hear or what you want to hear. A true friend is truthful. And that's why it's important to have the right friends. So friendship is built upon loyalty and love, but also upon light. So as we're thinking about friendships and relationships with other people, who are God, these are godly relationships, godly friendships, we need to make sure that your friends, your companions, those that you're knit to, are going to lead you to be light and lead you to walk in the light and not in darkness. So we need to have companions. We need to have those people that we're knit together with who are our friends, our companions, who have the common bond of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us to be, have friends like that. It's important to have friends like that, companions like that. In Psalm 119.63, the psalmist says, I am a companion of all who fear you. And of those who keep your precepts. In Proverbs 12, 26, it tells us this, that the righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. And it's important for us to choose wisely as we think about our friends and the relationships that we have, that these should be godly friendships, godly relationships. Proverbs 13, 20 says that he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. And this is the word of God, but we know from our own experiences, don't we, that this is exactly true. When people walk against the word and, and run with those people who don't walk according to the word, that, that there's trouble that is about to happen. And these are those folks that, are, that, we, that we need to be praying for. But we're talking about having the friendships and the companions that will keep us in line with the Lord Jesus Christ, to having those kinds of friends. We're to choose to have friends and to be a friend who loves the Lord and who seeks to live for him and follow him together. These are those close friends, those companions who will walk with you through life. Now, I know what you're thinking. Pastor, I hear you, but aren't we supposed to like meet people where they are and point them to Jesus? Well, yes, absolutely. I'm so glad you remembered that that's what we're supposed to do. And that is indeed what we're supposed to do. That we're supposed to meet people where they are and appoint them to Jesus. And we are to build relationships with those people who do not know Jesus. Why? Because we want to point them to him to find the truth and to find the freedom that only comes through knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But the friendships, the relationships that I'm talking about here are the deeper walking with the Lord kind of relationships with a fellow believer that helps us stay in line with him that encourages us, that challenges us, that causes us to grow in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then together we go out and we meet people where they are and we point them to the Lord Jesus Christ and build relationships to draw them into hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we need to be careful of who we make those deeper relationships with, these friendships that are influential. 
The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived that evil company corrupts good habits. Be very careful. Choose friends who will walk with you in the light and will not walk in the darkness. So friendship is a vitally important relationship. But then I want us to think about not only friendship and our relationships, but there's another one that I want us to think about real quickly, and that's the idea of courtship. Courtship. Now, there's a lot of different ideas out there about what it means to court. So we're, I'm using the term rather loosely here this morning. It could be courting or dating. And so it's important that we establish the right friendships as we move into courtship. So establishing godly friendships are the basis for good courtships. And so what is courting? Man, that sounds so old-fashioned. Well, I, I, I understand. Let me, let, me, let, me give you a, let me give you the definition. Tommy Nelson, in his study on the Song of Solomon, he says courtship is this. He says it came from the Elizabethan era that ladies waited for a suitor, either a knight or a lord, to win her hand through frequent visitation and gifts and compliments. That a man would ask the lady's father for, for permission to court his daughter. And this implied that the man seriously and openly, in view of the royal court, desired to pursue the possibility of marriage with his daughter. And so the father's permission allowed the suitor to express his love in the form of compliments. He could give the young lady trinkets of his affection, and he could escort her to social events. But if the two ever traveled away from the court, a chaperone, ouch, was required. Now that's what I'm saying, brother. That is what I'm saying right there. Now look, courtship may sound archaic to you, but I think it sounds pretty wise, especially in our culture today as far as you being with other people. So this kind of being careful and cautious is certainly necessary in today's world, whether you call it dating or whether you call it courting, whatever you want to talk about here. But listen. As we think about courtship, if we're thinking about as believers in Jesus Christ and all of my life and everything about me is to exalt and magnify the Lord Jesus Christ, then I want my family now and in the future to bring glory to him as well. We want it, that family to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in order, as you're, if you're beginning those stages of thinking about getting married one day, you're not there yet, but you're getting down that road then the first thing that you make sure that you've got is make sure that you have the right relationship with your future mate. That the smartest way to get to know your mate is not through dating, but through friendship. That friendship with someone who is running the race of following Jesus just as you are. To be friends with people. We, there's such a pressure today for us to date and, and to be dating uh, in this culture, that, that we lose sight of, let's be friends and learn what it is to be a friend. But here's some things that you need to consider in these kinds of relationships. Young people, please don't cut me off yet, all right? Let's keep listening, all right? Here's some things to consider in these kinds of relationships that, that as you're thinking about getting married, that you need to keep in mind biblically, biblically as you're thinking about how this, is, this possibly this other person could lead to marriage. And the first thing that you need to understand is this. Character counts. If you're thinking about courting, you're dating, you think about dating somebody or courting somebody, the first thing is character counts. And here's, if you've got, maybe you've made a little checklist, okay? Is this the guy or this the girl for me? Okay, here's my little checks to see if they match up. And if that's you, then here's the first box that needs to be printed out, all right? Asking if they are a believer in Jesus or not. That's the very first thing. In 2 Corinthians 6, 14, you say, preacher, come on, really? Well, let me just tell you what the Bible says, all right? 2 Corinthians 6, 14 says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what, common, what communion has light with darkness? Don't be unequally yoked. And you know what a yoke is, where you know, two oxen were together in this thing that was pulling along, and it was locked in together. Don't be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. 
That is the word of God, but I, from my own experience, have seen people who were unbelievers married to, rather believers married to unbelievers, and saw the difficulty that that was on that marriage. As a believer in Jesus Christ, the first thing that you need to understand is that as you're thinking about who your mate's going to be, you need to say, is this person a child of God or not? Do they know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of their life? And then you, maybe you ask that person, hey, do you know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life? And they know that you're a, a Christian. Then chances are they're going to say, oh, yes, of course I am. And so if that's the case, here's the second part of that. Make sure that they claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. But the other part of that is that you need to look, watch now, you need to look for outward qualities that indicate the inner character. Y'all with me? Look for outward qualities that indicate the inner character. So you'd ask some questions to yourself as you're looking at this person who may be your mate. You look at them and say, what are their habits? What are the things that they're continually doing? What are their habits? What do they talk about doing? What are their priorities? Where do they place their priorities in life? How do they treat? Here's a, here's a, here's a outer quality that indicates an inner character. How do they treat their brothers or sisters? How do they treat their parents? What do they say about their siblings or their parents? What kind of words do they use when they speak? Because you see, Matthew 15, 18 says that those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. So they may claim, this person may claim that they know Jesus, but their actions may prove otherwise. And I would counsel you, if you were to ask me, if you ought to continue to court this person, date this person, and they're not living up to what it is to be a follower of Jesus, I would say get out of that relationship as quick as you can. And pray for them to come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. Now understand, as we think about trying to figure out who this person is for me, who this person is to, that you want to be your mate, as we talked about already, that friendship is the better way of trying to figure these things out. Because, like I said, a lot of people today are talking about dating. But, you know, if you go out on a date and somebody takes you out on the date, how do they act on the date? Most of the time, they're going to put on their best foot forward and, true, and do their best behavior. But if you're going out with a whole bunch of friends together, a church activity, and a bunch of friends are going out together, I mean, you're probably going to see the real deal in that person, Right? Right? So you enjoy the friendships, you enjoy the group of friends, and there the real person is revealed. But as you think about relationships, understand that as you think about courtship or dating, character counts. The second part of courtship is this, is to consent to Christ's choice. Consent to Christ's choice. I'll put it this way. Wait for your mate. Wait for your mate. Don't be in such a hurry. Wait for your mate. Consent to Christ's choice. Know that God has a plan for you. But pastor, you don't understand. I'm 20-some years old, and I, my life is just going away just as quick as I mean, i got to have a husband or wife. Hey, wait for the mate. Amen? I know that's, that's, I'm not going to get an amen from you probably, but nevertheless, God has a plan. Trust that he's got a plan. Listen, Psalm 139, 17 says, How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God, how great is the sum of them. God knows you. He knows your mate. He's already, if it's God's will for you to have a mate, he already has that person planned out for you. He will pull you together. Let me tell you, but let, let him be the guide to guide you to your mate. Let him lead you to your mate. Because he knows, listen, this is a shocker, but God knows what he is doing. He knows what he is doing. And so here's what I would suggest for you to do. Let me counsel you here. Is that as you're thinking about, I've got to have a mate. I've got to have a mate. I've got a husband. I've got to have a wife. Whatever. Listen, don't let that be your greatest desire. Let your greatest desire right now be to run toward Jesus. Let that be your greatest desire. 
to run hard after him, to let him be the love of your life, let him be the Lord and Savior, the one that you are passionate about, let, run hard after him, and he will bring your mate to you. If that includes marriage for you, he will bring that mate to you. But if that's not, listen, if, that, if his plan for you is to be single, God will then include in that, as you're running toward him, that very close walk with him. And you certainly don't lose with that. Remember that character counts. Consent to Christ's choice. And thirdly, and I, I would love to tell you all the story of how about me and Angie met, but I just don't have time for that today. We'll do that another time. Amen? Angie says, whew. All right. And then the third thing is commit to Christ-likeness. Commit to Christ-likeness. So as you think about courtship, character counts. Consent to Christ's choice and commit to Christ-likeness. So in your relationship, whether it's in dating, according, whatever, make sure that while you're going through that relationship, whatever it is, that you commit to being like Jesus Christ. Understand something, that it's very easy to fall for the devil's lies today. It's very easy to fall for the devil's lies about relationships where he wants you to think that you need to become sexually intimate for the relationship to last or for it to be real. But, beloved, listen, if you're basing your relationship on sex outside of marriage, then you are headed in the wrong direction. And you need to listen to last week's message where we talked about that a good little bit. But here's what I would say just today. Keep yourself pure. Commit to Christ-likeness. Keep yourself pure. Avoid compromising situations. Flee immorality and stay close to the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 6, 18-20, it says, Flee sexual immorality, that every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Do you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? As a believer in Jesus Christ, this body, your body, is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is dwelling within you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You're bought at a price. You're not your own. Glorify God in your body. Commit to Christ's likeness in courtship. And pray about everything and pray over everything. Amen? Pray over it. Be Christ like. Let me give you an example of praying over everything. Y'all know Pastor Luke. He did the baptism this morning. You know, he's a good guy. He prays a lot. I found out that uh, when he was dating um, his beloved bride, Danielle, that uh, he got to the point where he wondered or not whether he should kiss her. So he went to her house one time, nighttime, just a knock on the door, thinking, okay, he was going to maybe kiss her tonight. And so as he comes to the door, uh, as he, he decides, I'm not going to go there yet. I'm going to let me just pray about this. So he goes around to the back side of the house. And it's, it's nighttime, stars are out. There's a big old tree in the backyard. And so he kneels down underneath the tree. I bet y'all didn't know this about Luke. <laughs> he kneels down under the tree. There's a big, a big oak tree there in the backyard. And he prays and he says, Lord, Lord, up above, should I kiss the one I love? <laughs> and what Pastor Luke didn't know, that in that, that great big tree, well, the, the neighbor was a little kid, and the kid was up in that tree. And the kid overheard Pastor Luke praying this, and the deepest voice that the kid could muster up, he hollered down from the top of that tree, Sinner, sinner, down below, pucker up and let her go. <laughs> and just so you know, that really did not happen, all right? <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, is that as we have courtships, as we have these relationships, we need to pray about everything, amen? And seek to be Christ-like in all things. And our character counts, consent to Christ's choice, and commit to Christ-likeness. And these are two very important relationships. The friendship, to have godly friendships with each other, as brothers and sisters in Christ, to come alongside each other and help each other along, but then have this courtship as you're dating. And moms and dads, you think, well, this isn't for me, but you've got kids. You better listen, amen, and make sure that you're instilling this within our kids as well, that our kids are having relationships with people that character, where character counts and where they're seeking Christ's choice for them, and they're going to commit to Christ-likeness in these relationships as well. But as you think about those two relationships, there's a third relationship that is far more important. 
than friendship or courtship. Far more important. You know what that relationship is? Let me tell you. It's lordship. It's lordship. This is the greatest relationship because this relationship, lordship, affects all the other relationships. Let me explain what I'm talking about. You see, the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. So if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you're going to seek to have the friendships that will walk with you in the light and not lead you into darkness. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, where he's the Lord of your life, then you will have friends, brothers, and sisters in Christ who are going to encourage you and help you and stir you to love and to good deeds and, you, and will be with you in the good and bad times, and you're going to be the same to them as well. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ where he's the Lord of your life, then you're going to seek his choice for your mate, and you're going to desire his best, and you'll trust him to bring him or her into your life on his timetable. And if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ as he's the Lord of your life, then you're going to seek to live by his standards, and you're going to seek to remain pure for your spouse and seek to be the man or the woman of God who will be joined together with the one that God has chosen for you so that you as a team can be used for his glory in the time that he gives the two of you on the earth together. And so it's this relationship of the lordship of Jesus Christ. But the question then must be asked of all of us here this morning is, do you have a relationship where he's the Lord of your life? Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Now, I understand that as I ask that question, we think about the relationship of Jesus. I'm not asking, do you belong to church? I'm not asking, have you joined the church? I'm not asking, do you go to church? I'm not asking, is your name on the roll at the church? I'm not asking, do you know about Jesus? Or do you, but I'm asking rather, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Amen? That's what I'm asking here. And so, well, sure, pastor, I believe in Jesus. I got a relationship with him. Okay, well, I understand, but let's understand relationship. I mean, if I was to ask you, do you believe in Donald Trump or do you believe in Barack Obama or some other political figure, do you believe in them? Well, yeah, we believe. They, we, why do you believe? Because you've seen them on TV. You know they exist, right? You believe in them, but do you have a relationship with them? I doubt it. If you do, let's talk a little while afterwards, all right? But I doubt you have a relationship, but you believe in them. And so the same could be said here. You may believe in Jesus, but do you have a relationship with him? You see, to have a relationship, if you're going to have a relationship with some sports figure or a political figure, to have a relationship, it's not that you just believe in them, but that you have a constant communication with them and you're spending time together, right? That's how you have a relationship with your friends and a relationship with your spouse is you're spending time together. So the question is, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Even though you know he exists, do you have a relationship with him? You see, you need to understand something. Is that God desires for us to be in a relationship with him. But there is a problem. We're sinful people, and he's holy God. And as holy God, he desires for us who are sinful people to be in a relationship with him. But the problem is that holiness and sinfulness cannot coexist. And so God in his grace and God his mercy loves us enough that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth, fully human, fully God, to take our place on the cross of Calvary in becoming the way, the only way, Jesus is that way, that reconciles us to God and allows us to be in a relationship with him through the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter 3.18 it says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. And so the perfect Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who left the splendor and the glory of heaven, came to this earth, lived a sinless life, and was sacrificed on the cross of Calvary to pay the debt that he did not owe, but I owed. He paid my sin debt, which is the penalty of, of sin is death. He paid it for me, he paid it for you, in order that I might have access to my creator behind the holy of holies, to enter into the most holy place where holy God is, that I now, sinful man, can be made holy by the blood of Jesus Christ and I can enter into the holiest place and have access and have a relationship with God. 
You see, when we receive him by faith, trusting that what he has done for us on the cross of Calvary, we trust him by faith, we are what's known as being saved. We're saved from perishing. When we die, we don't go to hell, we go to heaven when we know Jesus is Savior. We have this relationship with him now as well, where we're reconciled to God. And as we come to know Christ as Savior, when we trust him by faith, the relationship begins. And we walk with him. And we talk with him. We hear his voice. He hears ours. We spend time with him. And he is always loyal. And he always loves. And he always is about the light. He's always faithful. And as we have this relationship, as we read in Hebrews 10, it says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, we're able to have access because of the blood of Jesus, what he's done for us, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh because of what he did for us. We're able to enter behind that holy place. And, he have, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So once you come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and you have this relationship with him, the Bible here then commands us, here's the command, to let us draw near. Let us draw near to him. Let us spend time with him as we have that faith in him. So how do you draw near to a person in a relationship? Well, if you want to draw near to somebody that, that uh, you've been friends with for some time, but you want to have a closer friendship, what do you do? Well, you spend more time with them, don't you? If you want to draw, and you draw closer in your relationship with your spouse, you spend more time with them. And so as believers in Jesus Christ, if we're to draw near to him, we spend time with him. And beloved, one hour on Sunday morning is not enough. If you were to have a relationship with your spouse and you only had one hour a week, I don't think that bode too well for you. Or if you had a friend that you would consider to be your friend, you only spent one hour with them a week, it wouldn't be much of a friendship, would it? We're seeking to have a relationship with the Lord where we're drawing near to him. And as we draw near, we remember who it is that we're talking to. We remember what's been done for us that we can draw near, that we've been forgiven, and we have access to God. And we draw, as we draw near, we remember how we have access. That's because of what this one has done for us, that Jesus gave his life for us. We remember the blood of Jesus. And we draw, as we draw near, we remember what he's doing. That he is our high priest who is interceding for us, who is our advocate, who is the, our mediator in the presence of God. And we spend time with him, our friend, our redeemer, our bride. We're the bride. He's the groom. We are the one who is with him, our spouse. And we are to love him and, and spend time with him. And so the question is, is how close, how near are you to your friends? How close, how near are you to your spouse? And the next question is, how close or how near are you to Jesus? Because your relationship to Jesus should be greater than your relationship to your spouse and your relationship to your friends. His is the greater relationship. And beloved, listen, let us... Let us not settle, let us never settle for lukewarmness in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because this relationship where he's the Lord of our lives and we walk with him, this relationship affects all the other relationships. Knowing him as Savior, walking with him and being in that close, drawing near to him relationship. Three things to do and we're done. Number one, draw near to Jesus. All of us here today, every one of us here, as we've said in the past, that we're, none of us are there yet, right? And so all of us still have room to draw near to the Lord Jesus Christ. So draw near to him. Spend more time with him.
talk to him, walk with him, listen to, open up the word of God and let him speak to you through it. Spend time with the Lord. Draw near to Jesus. Secondly, seek friends that will lead you closer to Jesus and seek to be one of those friends as well. Maybe you've got some friends like that. Praise God if you do. But if you don't, seek to have friends that will lead you closer in your walk to Jesus, with Jesus and then you seek to be one of those friends. Maybe it's having an accountability partner, somebody that you'll have a prayer partner with, men with men, women with women. But then also on a bigger, wider scale is Sunday school um, classes and small groups to get together with folks where you can encourage each other along. Don't isolate yourselves as believers, but find other believers who love the Lord Jesus who walk with you. And then thirdly, if you're waiting for the Lord to give you a mate, trust Jesus for your mate. Draw near to Jesus, seek friends that will lead you closer to Jesus, and trust Jesus for your mate. These are key relationships. They affect us. Let's live it out for his glory. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you'd have your way in our hearts and lives to be the people of God you want us to be. Lord, to to draw near to you. Lord, that is the key. That we would spend that time with you, be in that relationship with you that is real, that is personal. And God, that we're drawing near to you to hear your voice, to the for, you to, for us to speak and, to, and spend time with you, talking to you, and to read your word and hear from your love letter to us, the word of God, and to be drawn into a closer walk with you. And how that so does affect our relationship with other people. And Lord, help us to seek friends also who are godly, who love you, who help us to be led closer to you in our walk as we spend time together as, as brothers in Christ or as sisters in Christ. And let us seek to be those kinds of friends that encourages and walks alongside. And then if there are those here today who have been stressing about a mate, God, I pray that you would have comforted their hearts and knowing that you have a plan. We can trust you with our mate. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness, that you are in control, that you are sovereign, that you know what you're doing, and we can trust you. Lord, let us just yield our hearts and lives to you this morning as the Lord of our lives, as we walk with you and surrender our hearts and our lives to you and say, Lord, I'm yours. Guide me, direct me, and help me to love you more. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand and we're going to sing.